Good morning. Um, I'm going to go off script a little bit this morning because Ondo didn't give me a script. But um, we are doing our yearly fundraiser, and we are trying to make that as efficient as possible for all of you so you don't have a month of us talking to you. But we need to let you know that we need your help to continue to offer our programming and our space to support Sokazan's teachings. Uh, I wanted to start by thanking all of you that have donated so far. This year, our goal is to raise $70,000. We're looking to pay off the mortgage on one of our buildings, which houses uh, the yoga studios, counseling offices, and housing for residents. We're hoping that eventually this will become a financially sustainable situation for us all, but we really rely on your generosity in order to make this work. We put a lot of time and energy into this. Everyone here is a volunteer. Nobody at the monastery is paid, so your donations go a, a long way in supporting us. Something very special happened this year. We have two incredible donors who have offered to do a one-to-one -one match up to $20,000 um, towards the mortgage. So if we can raise $20,000, we've got $40,000 towards the mortgage. So anything you can find to support us, support Sokazan, please do so. There's a donate button. We have so many donation buttons. You can visit the website, um, and I believe in the link, the chat box as well, or the description of the video. So thank you, and hopefully next time I will have a script. So I'm uh, at the monastery in the, in the Zendo today, even though I'm, uh, I still have my uh, back situation giving me problems, so I just wanted to let you know ahead of time of if I have to, if someone turns off the video, uh, it's, uh, I'm probably having to leave because uh, when this uh, the pain goes from like a zero up to way up there, and uh, I can't really talk or uh, I could probably yell, but you know, maybe yelling would be helpful. But I won't do that. So um, anyway, just to let you know, there's a good chance, very good chance, I can just sit here for the whole time and talk and respond to your questions. So the title of this morning's talk is a good title. And it's, I don't think I've talked about this maybe a little bit in the last few years, but it's why do monks fail? Speaking of Buddhist monks. Why do, why do monks fail? And have been doing that for since the Buddha the Buddha was a beggar. It's difficult to get into that without triggering a whole lot of things in anybody's mind stream about should, shouldn't. You need to make a living, you need to pay your due, you can't just, even, even later on, uh, I think it was Dogen, early Zen teachings was, showed up as people would say, well, after work we can get food, so maybe they gardened, I don't know. The idea there is that you uh, you ask for help. So when, you, when someone asks you for help, you don't particularly, it's none of your business particularly to question what, what they're going to do with that help or what they're going to do with that money or that food or, or that support. It's really none of your business. It's not that you couldn't know about it, that it's offered. But you have to look at it at the initial situation is they're asking for help. You don't know about their karma. You don't even know about your own karma. But you, as many people do, including this old man, we tend to go to 
about you? What are you doing? Why don't you do that? Why are you doing it that way? What's that about? What's that about? We're very, very snooky and nosy about other people's karma, but we don't want to do this. We want to look within. This is what this practice is about. Sit down, hold still, look within, and do it the rest of your life. Or not. Or start start a uh, open a farm equipment store. Or build a, a bingo parlor. Being sarcastic. It's not exactly transactional in the same way that materialism is. It's not, I do this, you give me that. If I do this, would you give me that? So there's some of that. But the spiritual path is about, as I've said, been saying lately, because I was looking for a word that would help bring this down to a point, bring this down to what? Intention. It's about intention. It's not about result. Results are none of your business. If you don't understand that, ask me the hardest question you can come up with. It's not about results. Yes, it's about results to go to the store and get whatever food you need and bring it back and intend to do this and do that, call people to the table for supper or so Yes, the relative dynamic is happening everywhere and we make Pretty good use of that as forms in the monastery in order to help people bring their body mind combination. But it seems to be combined rather than being seen as not separate into a, into a form where you can begin to understand, see deeply what this is. What is it? I can tell you in two words. It's not separate. You can think about that. You can study the Pratitya Samuppada. You can study the Venet Origination. You can have all kinds of concepts and ideas and evaluation judgments and gatherings of whatever to support your intellectual understanding of that. But if you don't see it directly, then you will still be tripped up by what? Right and wrong. Up and down, back and forth. Success and failure. But what runs that whole show? The belief that there's a separate being that somehow uh, no, uh, has a little bit different view on things than you do. Has a little bit different things on you on things that you do. Why it's so necessary. If you're interested in this path, I'm not here to market myself by any means. But it's necessary to have a teacher who sees what this is, not just intellectually knows. Knows that why why the Soto Zen is better than Linzai Zen, why the Gelugpa lineage lineage uh, abused the, the John Angus. It isn't, it isn't about a bunch of knowledge. That can be there also. The most important thing you can do is see what this is. And you can't see what this is unless you have the time, unless you have a, a place, unless you have uh, an intention. That's very difficult to do and make a living at the same time. In ancient culture, of course, in India, all the whole structure was based on, on giving or alms or donation. Nothing in return, the teaching person, in that case the Buddha, would teach the teachings and people would offer. He didn't charge a fee. That's the merchandise in which is not particularly incorrect. Sometimes situationally, sometimes it's totally necessary. But without some kind of clarity of mind, you're not going to, going to be able to tell when it's necessary because you can't look at some situations without judging them, without saying, well, this must mean this, or we're doing this, so that must mean. We do this constantly. We're in circles all day long. You know, 
I did not stop going. So what's different? You tell me what's different. Forget it. The light amongst beg. It's a spiritual path. It's a path of intention. The intention to realize your true nature, realize the fundamental nature of what it means to be a living being in a situation where there are other apparent living beings, humans and all the billions of other life forms, on a big ball of earth up there in the middle of nowhere. If you think of somewhere, I mean, where you get that information. So in our situation, the monks that live here, there's all together, the whole community is Months, 10 months, including this person, we ask for help. In fact, we aren't literally going out on the street, although they were, what's it called, the Takatsu, the Japanese word for, you know, they wear a hat, so you can't quite see their eyes, big straw hat, and they wear bowl of it. These days, it's become quite ritualized in Japan because it's no longer as necessary because the families there just don't. Lots of things can be said about that, the whole, that whole idea of giving. But there's no way for a monk or a, or a practitioner, whether a monat or a fully ordained or just someone in, in, any, in any meditation community, not just this one, but other ones, where you need to have some kind of help from the community, from people who are generating your livelihood. So why does anybody ask for anything? I need your help. I need your help. I can't talk about the federal science. People everywhere, people in Afghanistan, but all these governmental structures must believe in right and believe in wrong, right and left and up and down. It's just it's sickening to me. It's sickening. But what else is it? It's definitely listen. There's no one to blame for anything. You see that, then you can, it can be sickening for you. But the only thing that is sickening is that so many people are wasting their lives not seeing who they are, but trying to get something from somebody else. They control them, and the slaves, do anything when death comes without warning to everyone so far. So, this is something that, from the point of view of the Buddhist teaching, the three marks of existence are impermanence, nothing lasts. You have to really see that. It's not just a concept of, yeah, we're all, well, we're all going to die someday. I mean, that's the way to just totally turn away. We're all going to die someday. Turn away from the imminent, the imminence of the imminence of everything that is compounded to go away. The body, the mind, your thoughts, your identity, your apparent identity, everything. Everything. So some people are inspired from a very young age to I know what this is. They're not content particularly with somebody saying this and saying that and setting people up on some kind of a platform of you have to bow to this forever, pray to something. Some people that depend on their rhythm. Some people can't do anything. Force them to read the Dhammapada, they, 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 can't, they can't take that in because of the kind of 
which is why it's very, very important not to recommend or suggest or preach the Dharma to anyone. If someone asks you what they ever do, what should you do? Train your mind. Instead of thinking about what other people's minds and judging other people, look what they're doing. Abandon your own what is what you're receiving in the world and want to produce something about it. The very nature of confusion, the very nature of warfare. Nothing has a source. Just but we invent sources so that we can have the illusion of being in control. Well, how did you do that? Well, I did this, then I did that, then I did that. So therefore, I got a credential. Now I have a PhD. Anything away from that, of course. Need all of that. So that structure, our society is not not set up to support a spiritual path of this kind. Other kinds, where it's more about merchandising, as you know, I'm not saying there aren't some organizations that are totally dedicated to public, which of course. But without mind training, then there's the transactional part. We're really helping. How about you? You're not helping. So, monks beg. I say monks. This tradition, millions of monks. So, the basic understanding here kind of tied into Chilevan's talk, short commentary on our help and begging. I was suggested by Juju, the talk title, by the monk's bed. So it's a different kind of dynamic to ask. You don't receive whatever is offered as an offering. This is why you bow to the altar. You offer, you don't get something back. It's an altar. Pray for others. You may pray for yourself. I certainly have prayed for my back lately. How do I justify that selfishness? So, I could say it's to fulfill, fulfill my vow. Jeez, I'm bowing. In talking about begging in the past, you, you've mentioned how. Monks beg as an opportunity for the those they're begging to to practice generosity. When somebody asks us for something, what is our responsibility or how are we generous? Well, it's uh, my favorite word there is situation. There's so many different so many different situations. The person plus the mass. Timing, the place, the, there are so many dynamics going on. So, but if one, meaning you, or me, or anyone, is on receive, if you're receiving the sacrifice, like receiving the voice, not adding to it, I don't like that. I don't care for that. Or if that does show up, then you, you immediately turn that around, so to speak, into you see that. If you have a spontaneous, uh, need your commentary on things that not looked at clearly, and you might turn that receiving into some kind of irritation or even hatred. Although 
cloud or influence your your understanding of what is being asked for the problem. So the idea is to receive as much as you can. And how do you know you're receiving? You won't know exactly what it is. But if you know exactly what it is, that means you you're receiving, you just you're explaining to yourself what this is you're receiving. And that covers it up. The only way you can receive is do it clearly and clearly just to not know. But it can't be fueled for the self-centeredness of the ego. But if it, so it can't be. Not to totally receive. But if it's receiving, has to already be there more. Jason, so allowing, can we be generous when we refuse a request? That might be, that might be generosity. But it's coming out of your clarity about what this is. But someone who is all wrapped up in, them, in themselves, their ego, their particular understanding of everything uh, feels very confident, relatively. I'm right, and everybody else is mistaken. But people feel very, in general, feel very put upon when we challenge them. Anyway, she's so. mind, Is there a way we can begin to work with situations out of generosity? Particularly the ones that are confusing or abrasive, where we want to go to war. As you know, I'm very biased in this area. The very best way to work with but, uh, what we're asking about is to train your mind. Sit down, hold still, and watch your greedy mind. Watch the greed. Get rid of greed, uh, ego, self-centeredness, narcissism. They turn that into a into a credential. I'm getting rid of it. I'm being more and more. Look how much I've helped. It'll be more about getting other people to come back to you, doing things that makes you look generous so they'll come back to you. You're so generous. It's like somebody coming and telling me, oh, you're so generous. You're, you're teaching all the time. No credential forms of work. If I taught out of a credential, it's good work. What I teach out of what I say over and over again is what I see. What I see are what? Situations. See that the very thing that you're talking about there. Not only the situation that arises, I also notice my own reaction based on my own karma reaction to that. It just gets included to the whole thing, so it doesn't develop into someone like some idea of right or wrong. Excuse me, buying. How does one respond when the the personal commentary is still arising? Well, that's how you respond. You notice that it's a personal commentary. That's a kind of lies. Even if it's relatively true, so even if, it, if you, even if you can get some kind of relative support out of that, like an attorney would, this is not this does not last. This does not last. This does not last. While you're here, free and well favored, you're free to come to a meeting like this, which is unusual, and you're well favored, and you have the openness of Consider what's being said. So I often say, don't believe anything. Believe what I say. But consider with your own mind training. You liberate yourself. You are not separate from the Buddha. I see that. You don't. Why don't you? Because you think it's an idea. About something. It's not. It's only talked about conceptually because we can't the communication situation is like two tin cans and a spring. Communication between the 
the teacher and the student emphasizes that that uh, as the as the student gives gives their attention their and their devotion uh, to the teacher that creates a pathway so that the teacher can teach to them directly, including the song, including the piano. Without that, nothing happens. Seto. Seto Bowling, how do I open myself to asking for help when my pride keeps getting in the way of that? Well, pride, so that look, look where you're at, though. You're aware that, that the pride, you know, the, maybe the pride that feeling like uh, you know, the opposite part of pride is shame. So, what if I ask and somebody asks for help from somebody and they turn around and say, You don't deserve that help? Who the hell are you asking for help? That kind of thing. Well, that's not saying that's happening to you, but I'm saying it's that kind of a pride shame situation. And it's uh, and those are not separate from each other. They just look they just look intensely like that. So my response to you as clearly as I can make it without talking to you further about the whole thing would be uh, train your mind. But look, stop trying to get rid of the pride. You can actually be successful and uh, actually cover up the pride or con- convert the pride into uh, the fuel for self centeredness, which is just saying, well, I'm right. See clearly and I see things differently than you, or see things differently than other Sangha members, or even the teacher. Of course, if you're seeing things differently, almost differently than the teacher, perhaps that's not the teacher. But maybe you are ready for the teacher. More? Just continue and, and push yourself a little bit in that area. See if you can find areas where you can get, not to accomplish something, but notice when you put yourself in certain situations, you get really sensitive about that. And it's much easier to just to kind of 100% go the other way. I would say uh, go the other way 50%. Leave 50% of your awareness in that situation so you can feel the texture of that difficulty. Because what's showing up on the under, other end of the pride is shame. How do we not know when tendency or the disposition is to know? This is why sitting practice of meditation kind of retrains you or reconditions you to just receive. You receive just what arises. You don't take what arises and assume there's something else that needs to be arising. You better get its ass out here. Familiar. Turn it right into aggression. Demand. Look at the demand for something. Watch what arises and notice the demand for something else. Or for a pat on the back or for acknowledgement. In your situation that I'm sure you're referring to, just receive. Don't demand anything. Knock it off. Just don't do it. Return to the Buddha, the Dharma, and Sangha. Return to the cushion. Return to the wall. Return to the sutras. Return to the 30 verses of Vasubandha. Return to anything. No demands. But it's, it's difficult because we, we think we should demand certain things. But we even, you know, our society is full of that kind of thing. So I'm not, you, 
needs and your what do you need and what do you want? That's differentiating. Not saying there isn't some value there, of course there is. Think about with um, negative emotions, particularly, you often say you don't have to get rid of anything. I do. So, what is getting, what is not getting rid of a negative emotion? How is that different from uh, saying, I'm, I'll take this for the rest of my life? Uh, one is, one is, one is your, uh, you're just not doing anything with it. So, it's, uh, it's more fruition. Whereas your, your second statement there, I'll do this for the rest of my life, I'll take this, I'll take this, whatever it is, that's path. That's just changing your attitude and relaxing as it is. Change your attitude, I'm going to do this. It's like I say to myself, uh, I don't have to get rid of this, this back pain, even though it's horrible. But you have to receive it. You have to receive the love. Even when it's not. This doesn't mean that you're stupid. Source of that emotion, ego. It's 
materialism, materialism, spiritual materialism, psychological materialism, material materialism. So trying to trying to get that just fuels the self-centeredness, the ego that does not want to be seen this tight knot in the middle of your heart that you you that metaphor has been used before that needs to open. How do, you, how do you open that? You see the way in which it's closed. You don't go and hammer at it with anything. Sutras or all the positive thinking and all that going. See the way it's sealed up. And the way it's sealed up for each person is going to have a different combination of situations. They're going to need a different kind of attention from the Buddha, the Dharma, and the teacher. One size does not at all. So the idea there is to look at the knot and look at the way the knot gets its sustenance, the ego mind gets its sustenance from fighting with dependent origination. Well, that shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't have done that. Well, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be feeling like this. There's no reason. I so what do we do instead of just Receiving what that is, we, we use the, the society or the structure that we're in and we give it a name. Name, name things. This is the way you keep, this is the way you keep your life at bay. Lifetime after life. If you get a minute, go on YouTube and look up Heidi Arneson. A friend of mine, she has a, what's that called? Animation? Claymation thinks she has a little teaching on uh, why baby God. It's pretty interesting. It's fun. And it's basically talking about labeling things. You don't have to stop doing that. You have to see that you're doing it, and then, then it tends to come apart if it's just flooded with awareness. Then it gets structured because it's very personal with each person. The personal glue that you have, maybe your relationship with your father. Or something that happened to you in the 13th century, that starts to come apart. And that, that barrier, that wall, that mukege go, the walls of the mind that are talked about in the heart sutra, starts to just come apart. You don't even have to push it on. And if you do push it on, then it thinks it's a wall and it fights back. You get getting rid of me. I need to be here to protect me. You can even use your Buddhist name. I need to be here to protect Sandhu. Sounds like a mountain or whatever. And what I'm saying, please, please, in your mind, sit down and look at the obstruction. You can't do anything with the obstruction by just blaming or even if it's relatively true, even if you can document, well, the reason I'm feeling this way is because I was treated this way when I was poor. Of course, there are going to be causes and conditions, but the, the, the aspect of the consciousness that perpetuates that birth, after birth, after birth, is the, is the imputation that there is someone who's having these feelings. They're not that important. As Trump Rinpoche said, you're like a little grain of sand in the desert. Carrot in a huge pedal of stew that pops up and says, What about me? 
the head cook pushes you back down in the boiling water and says, get down in the orange. I know I'm not really familiar with this, but I remember. Sort of shadow bowing. What is it to feel an emotion but to not have it? To have it as a person who's having an emotion? You're separate from the emotion and you have no opinion about it. If you have an opinion about it, you see you receive that and you realize that that's untrue also. It's relative truth, which means my way of saying it, sarcastically, it's a bag of lies. From the point of view of the spiritual realm. From the point of view of the mundane path, and it's some things are kind of true and some things are kind of false. Can we recognize when we claim it or have the emotion? With each person, it takes time. It's going to show up in different ways. I think it's very difficult to do this without a teacher. It doesn't mean you have to sit in the teacher's lap. It doesn't mean you have to see the teacher every day. Let's have that understanding. So you're putting somebody ahead of yourself a little bit. Giving someone the benefit of the doubt about something you're not quite sure about, the way in which they're pointing to it is uh, the ego wants to, to fight against that. Uh, like some people, as soon as they hear about this, they want to become monks. Other people, Buddhism. Other people they hear about this, might practice for 30 years and never become a monk, never become a Z precepts or anything. That is up to each individual. Or right or wrong. me about it, I won't have opinion on it unless you ask me what we should do. I'll tell you. What will I tell you? Train your mind. That's up to you how to do it. You mean? When on the subject of begging, when we encounter somebody on the street asking for money, you don't know whether you believe in or not, and then we started describing motivations to them. Gotcha. Then we don't know whether to believe our process I can of describing. Help you. I can help you. Okay, tell me. Yeah, always give them money. Or not. When you give them money, if I drive by somebody with a cardboard sign that says starving or whatever, I say they're homeless, which we did yesterday. I didn't want to get into this because it's a sensitive one. But I, since you bring it up, I'm going to bring it up. Drive by, and I, I'll either give them money or I won't. And I have no thought process around it. Quite often, I drive by people, and sometimes I drive by and I drive right back around and give them money. But never, this is my recommendation to you and to anybody: never question anybody's motive for what they're going to do with what you give them. It's none of your business, and you're interfering with dependent origination in a way that is extremely powerful. You're actually doubling back into your own distress. Don't do it. Just, just be generous. Or don't give them anything. But don't come to conclusions about what somebody's going to do or try to see. No, don't do that. Just, uh, what was it? Was it Mason that, that said that somebody came up? Who was it that said somebody came up to him and says, I need some money. I want to buy beer and cigarettes. Is that you? They said that to you. What happened? Give them money. It's not up to you to decide what they this is the intention is the generosity that's important. I mean, you don't know what kind of labyrinth of horrible pain that person is in. And it even get, get, gives them the, the bravado 
come up to you and say, I need some help. I need some help. Somebody can come step through their pride or their shame or whatever and just say, I need some help. And you can say, well, what can you do? Give them some money or not. Or just walk away and say, don't have, you know, don't want to. <laughs> but if you give them money, then just don't question it. Just know that your your position of that is to is it is to intend not to no result. This is not materialism. Not about results. And even someone who has no spiritual path or appears to have no spiritual path is completely a spiritual being. No, you cannot be a spiritual being because that their their stages on the path are quite a bit different than yours. You're actually practicing something. They're three lifetimes away from that occurring. But your generosity, regardless of what they do with that money, they're going to remember that. Maybe not your face, maybe not your name, but they'll remember that somebody just, uh, no demand, just gave. Well, I'm thinking of some examples here where we've given money and it's become a problem later where they'll people will trespass or um, like wait on our porch or something like that. You mean like like beggars? Mm-hmm. You know? What about does that change the way we should relate to them? Well it's situational so sure it's gonna it's but it's still a still a, still give. But you might you're not gonna give on their terms, you're gonna give on your own. Here's a dollar. Here's five dollars. Uh, do you want do you want some work? Yeah, I'd really love to have some work. Let me go over and dig that ditch. And they take two scoops out and come back done. <laughs> but it, you know, uh, monks need some kind of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to see the way people who are, there's no way they're ever going to train their mind will interact with you. It gives you a chance to see. But that's life. So, so that as you go along, as you, at some point, when you become a Dharma teacher, if that, that proverbial, uh, what do you call it, for you, if that happens, then you'll be have a better understanding of what people are dealing with. What does it mean, Paul? John. James. Yes. Question from Shane in Virginia. <clears throat> Better be a good one, Shane. What's different about a monk begging versus someone collecting money for a good cause? No difference. There's differences, but fundamentally, asking for help. Whereas uh, for a good cause, they have a validation or justification for it. And quite often, if they're trying to save the polar bears, or 22% of that is going to save the polar bears, the rest of it's going to go to administration. Should we question that? I don't know. They give or don't give. But don't get too wound up in the judgment of what someone's doing. If it causes the conditions that bring about something like that, that's extremely complicated. You might better look at your own dependent organization. Not even might, you should. You know, take it to the cushion. Train your mind. So when you get up off the cushion, you don't take your unexamined uh, bullshit out in the world and spread it on everything else as your true perception of what's out there. Have to see who this is. We have to see who, who we are fundamentally so that we can live an uplifted and true life. Whether you're Buddhist or not. Uh, Jen. Jen Maui. Uh, is it more important to be genuine about my lack of generosity 
or to be generous, despite my wish to be. Yeah, just, yeah, just be a good question. I'm not saying, uh, I mean, we're asking for help, but we're not critical of people who don't help. Even if, even if somebody, we know somebody has lots and lots of money, and why aren't they giving their share? That's, that's their business. People's karma is very complicated. It's not just what happened to you last few weeks or few months. It's very complicated. So you should be respectful of your own situation. In other words, just observe it. There's no requirement to break off into something else. Just train your mind. And anything that needs to uh, show up will we'll come knocking at the door. Or not. Did I, did I help you with that? Or did you have another question? Dan Bowing. That is helpful. And I have a, a small follow-up in terms of situations that require an immediate response. When, before we're able to see what this actually is, yes. is there a way to work quickly within our confusion? Yes, there is. Don't we'll do anything unless you have to. That's why I say I actually, when you and I were driving from, going from a hand therapy thing that I couldn't do because I had so much pain in my back, I couldn't sit still. So I had to get up. Managed not to scream. So, so, so yeah, I didn't. It was too horrible. But then we drove away from that and drove past uh, someone holding a sign. So there, there it is. A, a stoplight you can use. Say, well, I'd like to help them, but the, stop, the light's going to change, you know, and all of that. Or I'm not saying I'm psychic at all, but I'm just saying it. I just look at it and I just, I'm either going to help them or not. But I'm not questioning. I don't need to see whether they had a really nice sign made somewhere with a piece of cardboard with dog food on it. I just get it, get them, help them or don't. Help them or don't. Help them or don't. So, well, what happened to us, not because we're such, uh, uh, what do they call those, uh, Good Samaritans particularly, but because I'll leave them, I'll leave them, I'll drive away, and then I can see what happened because I just, just entered into dependent origination that we're doing constantly. And then you just watch what arises. And if you don't have enough much arising in your mind <clears throat> any, anyway, then there's room for that kind of understanding to arise. To go down uh, in a block or so. She, uh, when you said, should we stop? Should we? I think I said, no. But then two blocks later, we got to go back. So, why? But we went back. Gave, uh, gave him some money, and then we saw another person across the street. We kind of, we were kind of thought, I think those guys know each other, <laughs> like a man and wife or something. So then we went down and drove, drove around uh, and, and gave her some money. But I want to emphasize, you shouldn't do this just every time you see a cardboard sign. I would say, don't do it. Don't do it. Put some tension on it. So if somebody comes to your comes to your door, put some tension on it. If it's you know, this is when I say, you've heard, heard me say over and over again, trust yourself. Trust yourself. This does not mean believe your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, your stupid conclusions. I mean stupid. Because those are meant to protect the self. They have a conclusion, they have an opinion, it protects the imaginary self. But trust yourself, trust trust the space in which things occur. And you can't do that unless if you fill up the space with your your conclusions, your ideas, your conjunctions, your uh, affirmations, and so on. Just go away not knowing or leave. You might find yourself, somebody might come to your door and ask for a dollar. 
They might say, no, can't do that. And then they might close the door and walk away, and then you might, if you're not coming to any conclusion about anything, including how their clothes look, nothing, just nothing about it, particularly, unless it comes in. And it won't come in if your mind is full of baloney all the time protecting yourself. How do you work with that? Train your mind. Spend hour after hour after hour on the cushion. Look at the wall. See the negativity in the mind stream. If you see it and you don't accept it, reject it, look away, you don't fight with anything, you will start to come apart because it gets its its uh, it, it gets its uh, it gets its conjunction, it gets its feeling of being one thing from warfare or from peace fair. Any 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 movement towards it against it up and down that. And then you might find you walk across the room and then you'll go back to the door and see if they're down say, come back here. But you've actually given it some space. Maybe they're gone by then. Dependent origination. You don't have to jump to the common phrase, well, I think it was supposed to be that way. Nah, nothing's supposed to be anyway. That's uh what's that called? Notice I'm trying to not swear very much. Kevin. Kevin Bowing. Conversely, if one is in the position of needing to ask for something, and you know that maybe you know, hypothetically there's somebody who's got a lot of dough, but if they help, there will be a lot of strings attached. Might one avoid engaging such a person because you don't want to hassle or you just ask anyway, bowing. Give me an example. Just you can make one up. You don't have to use it real life. So yeah, so for example, like I have an uncle and I've whenever I've asked him for help to support like a creative project, he will begrudgingly do it, but then there's always some moralizing or some weird stickiness involved with it. And now I'm in a position where I need to do some fundraising again. And part of me is like, well, I don't want to ask that guy. He's a jackass. I don't need that kind of, I don't need that pain in my neck. And so I'm wondering, my question is, by avoiding that, am I feeding into some sort of egotistical control about who can help me bowing? Yeah, you're already, you know, you're already ahead of, of what I'm going to say. But yes, just always, always ask. Always ask for help. So, uh, you know, even if someone is giving you a hard time, you can always ask them. Just keep it very simple and straightforward. Justify nothing. It just doesn't work because then you get into some kind of about values and what's right and what you should do with your money and shouldn't you use this, use it for this. Or, it's just nuts. Uh, parents do this to their children. Hopefully they can get out of the, uh, get out of the crib. They're starting to Control what they should do and shouldn't do instead of giving them this, uh, giving them the room to be a human being uh, out of their own comments. You want to add your two cents worth of control. So, so I would say with your, say with your uncle, there was such such a person. Always ask, but well, what are you going to do? What are you going to, you know, how do you say? And, and you know, you can you can always say something back. Well, as a thing you're trying to do with it, then you can just tell them what it is. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into any kind of a propaganda about how helpful it's going to be. 
statistics. People don't. People tend to use that as more mustard gas you know, to kill any kind of a, any kind of real true insight that can arise for for you or for him uh, or her or whomever. But allowing somebody to have the difficulty, uh, you're manipulating it. But there's, you're allowing them to have their emotions and feelings, their reactions, their judgments without without fixing it. So ask. That's what I want to do. And we as monks, we Big, we're asking. We do have a project we're working on, which uh, makes it easier for people to relate to it. But fundamentally, we, we need help all the time. Shisho. Shisho, uh, I want to go back to your answer that you gave to Shoka, where you made a distinction between need and want. Yes. Uh, is there a difference between need and want on the spiritual path? Bowie. is, but I think it would be so, so, it's just a way of talking about it that may help you or may not help you say that you, you really need that, uh, like sometimes a relationship, uh, people talking about relationships about somebody who fulfills, fulfills my need. Relationship from this point of view is not about fulfilling anybody's needs or wants for that matter. So I, I just think it's something, I understand your question. I have questions about it too, uh, in the sense that that it's, a, it's an area that where there's some kind of grasping. We need that. There's some kind of overdoing the grasping at it. And, but if we want something, we can just want that, but with no demand. It's quite it's quite enjoyable to want something without fulfillment. If you haven't noticed that. Yeah. It's a it's called reading menu, but not ordering anything. It's called Food for Play. Kevin Bowing, there's some uh, questions in the chat. Thank you, Kevin. First, uh, Sheldon says, aren't actions derived from intentions? How can we be clear about our own intentions so that they are beneficial to others rather than being driven by some self-centered agenda? Good point. And in my response, you recognize it is train your mind. So, and the way you do that is to sit down and not, we're not trying to become a good meditator. I have no interest in good meditators from the point of view of being a teacher. What, I, what I'm saying is sit down, hold still, and watch the, the watch the, the destruction and the creation happen in the mind stream over and over and over again. It comes and goes and comes and goes. It's, it's the observing of that. So, if I were to fill it out a little bit, it's the observer quality of it. That observer is not a, it's not a person. It's an aspect of consciousness that is receiving the witnessing quality. And that, when it watches that, it, it, it gets a kind of strength to be able to just receive, as I've said, hundreds of times, maybe 20, the uh, most profound form of generosity is to give everything your attention. Receive everything. Everything is speaking to you, the whole world is coming to you, everything is preaching the Buddha, the, the, the Buddha Dharma. Not separate, not separate. It's not saying in those words, it's just, it just looks not separate. You can see this. You can, you can see, you won't see what I'm looking at, but you'll see what I'm talking about. And I keep saying over and over again, it's not, uh, it's not a conceptual uh, coming together of ideas. It's, it's still, you see it. If you practice receiving, 
perceiving your mind, perceiving the minds of others, no objection, no agreement, no looking away, and eventually you'll see the truth that you'll see your true nature, which is very difficult to conceptualize, because it's at once separate, separated, and not separate at all. Yu Hongbaoing, back to the people who back who back money or things in the street. Is there a difference between giving money and giving food? Um, I, I mean, there's a, some kind of differentiation going on. You can't eat money. You can't spend food. So those obvious things. So some person really would rather have some money because they need to do something else with it. Get some gas or, or fix a flat tire or pay for their child care or something like that. So... We try to we try to convert convert it into what we think we should give them. Then we we tend to abandon. Because then it becomes more about us. Like we will say, "Well, I'll feed you," but you know, need money, hungry, need money, or need please help, hungry. Then we say, "Well, I'm not going to give you money because you'll just spend it on drugs." Or whatever, but I'll give you fifteen cans of uh, spaghettios. So uh, you know, you can say you can do anything. But I would say less is better. Other than meat, if someone asks money and need help, the best thing you can give someone is a currency, because then they can use it however they want to, including drugs. But they might need to go and create a little story, but they might need to go and shoot up for one last time. I'm just making a story. And you help them do that, because that's the last time they were going to do it, because you helped them. Because you didn't question. Because they could see your intention. They weren't, you weren't looking for results. The intention is powerful. If it's, if it's true, if you truly intend, since we're not separate from each other, this won't show up in your mind stream. It shows up in this. Heart Sutra. question from Jethro in the UK. Yes. Are spiritual seekers spiritual beggars? Well, you can say that maybe. I'm not sure what the intention of the question is. They're spiritual. They're looking for the truth. Begging. So, yep, yes, they are. But they, our society doesn't help. In ancient India, there was a structure where the Buddha could have thousands and thousands of students because they would all, everybody heard the words of the Buddha, so we read them, or we know that was the Buddha. They were studying the Majimanakai on Sundays, one of the early books of the Buddha's words, shows supposedly sounds like somebody who was hoping to understand it. Then in that society, people would, would donate, would help our society. Well, they do somewhat. People probably look at us and think we're ugly. Not that that would give bad things. I have no idea because there's no proselytizing. I can try to get people to go to church. They come, they want to go to church. Kevin Bowing, there are a few more questions in the chat. Thank you. Uh, Dallas says, are beer and cigarettes included on the spiritual path? 
Apparently. Everything is included. Everything is included. You start excluding stuff, we're right back into the politics of experience. I'm not interested. Thank you for that question. That's up to you whether you want to smoke beer and cigarettes. You're not going to be able to do it in the monastery because we have forms here. You can't bring beer into the monastery compound. And this doesn't mean you can't go down to the corner bar and you know, wipe yourself out. If you want to do that, but you probably won't be here long if that's what you're doing. And I don't know. Did you have a beer last night? Two nights ago? <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? One beer. I had a sip of it. So I'm being silly, but I'm just saying, yeah, everything's included. We to differentiate the differentiation in desire is a whole issue. We don't want this, we want that, we desire not to have that, but we desire to have that. And then we want our way. It's intense narcissism. Most of it is covered up with kind of facts or Things about this, and they should, and they should look what they did, and not look what they're saying about what we're doing. Watch the news for 20 minutes. I'm going to spend another 20 minutes facing the wall. Is there any further questions? Yes. Uh, Sultram says, How can I work with situations where I would like to give, but feel inhibited by concerns about my personal safety? Yeah, I'm thinking your personal safety comes first. Stay back. I'm not sure what you're saying, but a few images are coming up. I would say yeah. personal safety is first. And there, but if you if you understand that, that's just a kind of a boundary. Like you're everybody's going swimming, but not you, but you can't swim. Very very simple. It's a very simple. And, and be careful, I say be careful not to avoid, but be careful to observe if you go into some kind of self judgment about it. You don't have to stop that, you just have to watch it happen. Watch that we, the ego feeds off of being wrong, it feeds off of being, uh, you know, it gets its sustenance from uh, right and wrong up and down. So it should and shouldn't be sacred and this is this is extreme. This whole sacred profane profane everything is included. Everything. As I said, you start excluding things. It's definitely risen. So it has to be here. It has to be respected. We have to respect your own confusion to start with. Stop trying to be somebody better. Be the person that you are. But do it from the point of view of your awareness of what's happening. Kevin Bowing, Constance asks, what does it mean, quote, see what that fundamentally is? Yes. Can, but, but, can this fundamentality be described? Does it show up somehow? When will I know? Can it be shared? Uh, first of all, it can't be shared because you don't, you don't share something you're not separate from. You can't share with somebody else because you're already, you already see that you're not separate. But they don't from the point of view of a Dharma teacher. They don't. So then you point to it. And you might point from one person, you might point to it by jabbing him in the ribs. Hard 
And if they've asked you to function as your teacher, then they better be they better be serious about it. I don't do that without permission. I don't teach people without them first becoming students. And there's a whole spectrum of how to relate to a student. And if the teaching person is not completely, fundamentally, absolutely clear about who they are and what this is, they can't do this because they're always worried about being wrong. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I? What if suddenly people think that I'm abusing people? Well, who knew? People do think that in some cases. That's their uh, their situation. They can do whatever they want. There, they're, they're doing it. More. Dallas says, "What's the difference between a monk begging?" And a random person begging for beer and cigarettes. Same thing. same thing. It's it's there's a differentiation there, but it's the same thing. Somebody wants something. It's the same. When you're asking the question, I could say, well, I could I could say already what you know is true. There, one is a on the spiritual path, and the other one is on the spiritual path. So big difference. Everyone's on this program. You can't get to be a human being. You can't get to be a, a bug. You need to see it, dude. This is not this is not some kind of scientific thing that I got from National Geographic. You see it. You actually see this. You see what this is. And if you're around people that don't see what this is, if they're students, you help them. But if they're not students, you respect their confusion. Don't convert anybody to anything. Don't tell somebody to meditate. As I've said for years, make them drag it out of you. Like the time that I was at the car dealership with Kozan, um, who's now in a month-long solitary retreat. Good for her. And, uh, I was at the car dealership, and uh, the dealership was you know, abusing Kozan. I was there. I didn't like it. So... Kozan didn't like it. And then we it took about four hours of sitting there and having him placating would be the word trying to do that. And I think we Kozan and I both got mad at the same time. She has a, a temper that probably equal to mine. We both blew up uh, at uh, different sides of the leadership at different administrators at the same time. So yelling and calling them names and swearing at them. <laughs> But I was leaving one of the, one of the um, salesmen there uh, stopped me and say, say, I thought you were a Buddhist monk. Okay. Thank you. What did you say? You can't, you can't be a very good monk or something like that. Being a monk. Being a monk. Being a monk. got mad. And I said, well, I'm not a very good monk. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be genuine. You can't, you can't, don't live somebody else's life, something you invent. Live your life. Live your life. Whatever's coming, receive. This doesn't mean you get a credential from being such a great receiver. That's production. You're producing ideas about what you're receiving. Just receive. Further questions? Kimchi Valley. A few years ago, I asked for help from friends and family and got a really negative reaction. It was really difficult. 
So any um, anything in that area still feels like an open wound. In your response to Seto, you said go into that a little bit. How how do I go into that when it's still really painful? If it's is it coming up often? In my mind. Yeah. Or else is it going to come up? Never everything shows up. <laughs> so you could you know, I I put your mom and dad, so right? And yeah. others. And others. Uh you, you could you, you could, depending on the situation, you could uh, get them together and talk about it. You could tell them how you felt about it. Possible. You could also just change your mind. Continue to return to that feeling of, of being hurt. They hear you're asking for help in a genuine way for something you want to do there because they're, you're not doing what they think. It's interesting how people have opinions about other people's lives. That if you look at their life, they're I'm not even say because I'm very confident. I'm observing their condition. We could talk about that. I don't think it's necessary to do anything to feel the sadness or the, or the irritation or the anger or the do anything with it. Receive, receive, receive. Pick and choose, you have to receive. Everything is, that comes toward you like raindrops. Just get wet. What Suzuki Roshi said, it talked about the path to awakening. It's like walking in the mist. You go into the mist dry, and before you even come out of the mist, you're soaking wet to the dharma. Take one more question if there's one out there or in here. You home bowing. You home. Back to the car dealer uh, example. So for me, I'm not a monk. So for the mundane path and the spiritual path, it's your, uh, um, I want to live my life and I want to hear for the two paths are not separate. How can I look at that? Um, if I may say so, uh, we've not met face to face, but I've talked to you a few times and we've been uh, coming on to either this situation or the open heart, Susan Fiber's uh, uh, Zoom platform, open heart, for over a year that I know of. And, uh, I think you're doing it. I, I just think that it's like talking to a, uh, someone on the side of the mountain, uh, halfway up the mountain or a third of the way up the mountain, uh, and there's someone standing next to you on the path. You say to them, how do I, how do I get to the top of that mountain? person next to you says, go right that way, do it that way. So you're asking a question on the side of the mountain. My response to you as someone who, who actually uh, is the mountain that you're climbing, not because of this special old man, but because I see it. I'm not separate from anything. You don't see it yet. At some point, you'll see that everything you step on is your own body. Everything you look at is your own body. As Trump Rinpoche once said, people... Some woman said, why do you eat such terrible food? Can you see you're destroying your body? And he said, madam, the whole world is my body. So just intend, intend to clarify your mind. Intention, intention, intention. 
vow to be with all things, or just in any. May the merit of this penetrate into all places, so that we in every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, let's send direction to the three times. Please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokotoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with life. Dear Sangha, I would like to take a few moments to let you know about Sokokoji's one and only fundraising campaign for 2021. Our plans are big. Over the next five years, we envision investing $500,000 to revitalize Sokokoji's properties so we can expand our offerings for people to deepen their spiritual practice and build social and educational programs to benefit all who find their way to our door. With your help, and a generous matching offer from two of our long-time donors, we are going to burn the mortgage for our Karma House property by making the final payment of $72,000 on September the 1st. This is our immediate need. During the five years we have owned Karma House, we have recreated the North Avenue portion of the building by investing $100,000 to build out a yoga studio, bookstore, counseling offices, massage room, two ADA bathrooms, and a new roof. These are all ways we are endeavoring to make our monastery more financially sustainable by providing employment opportunities for monks and a place where local community members and practitioners from afar can train their minds and live sane, uplifted, healthy lives. Your generosity makes this possible. Please act now and donate to this campaign by visiting sokokoji.org forward slash donate and mention Karma House in your donation instructions. Our donor's match expires on August 31st, so please act with urgency. We are deeply grateful for each of you, and on behalf of the entire Sokokoji Sangha, thank you.